Hello and welcome to this IBR Extra, a podcast from the Iowa Business Report. I'm Jeff Stein. In the 36th edition of our program, which aired during Labor Day weekend 2020, we examined the concept of artificial intelligence with specific application to manufacturing. Matthew Lamonds is co-founder and managing partner of the Intelligence Factory. He will be the first general session presenter at this year's annual Advanced Manufacturing Conference, sponsored by the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. Matthew Lamont spoke to me via Zoom on Monday, August 31st. There is a lot of talk, and your company and your writings have focused on artificial intelligence, AI. So here we are in the last part of 2020. What does that mean to the average person when they hear that term? What should they take away from that? Artificial intelligence is really making things surprisingly smart. And we see it every day. We see it in terms of our interactions with streaming services like Netflix, where there's recommendations. We're starting to see content being pushed to us that is more likely to be what we really were looking to search in the first place. Uh, It happens when we look uh, for things on Google and we're starting to search and the recommendations are much more targeted to our true intent of what we're looking for versus some of the maybe the, the phrasing that we were looking at. We see artificial intelligence in our smartphones. We can start doing translations on the fly, recommendations in terms of where we want to go based on uh, traffic patterns and accidents and that sort of thing. So those are surprising activities and functions that we see in technology now that we didn't see five years ago, 10 years ago for sure. Artificial intelligence makes things that, that we don't have an experience of being smart do things that we didn't think that they could do. And it's pretty cool. Because that artificial intelligence means it's actually not only being used for large, big companies in the era of big data. We heard about big data, you know, was really popular four or five years ago, uh, and it's not, it hasn't gone away. But the value of big data is for big companies. But what we need, as you and I and, and people in, in the real world, we need the value of small data. Artificial intelligence, where we're at in the real world with real devices, And that's really what's coming. And it's very exciting because that technology means that we'll see it more often. We'll notice it for a while and we'll say, oh, everything is getting smart now. Everything has AI. And then what will happen is going to be really cool that that AI will then be so good, it'll go into the background and it'll just be an experience that we come to expect. So we'll see a rise in, in awareness of AI. And then I think it's going to go and fade in the background as we get more more comfortable with it. And it becomes ingrained into our culture. And I think of an example not as sophisticated as what you're talking about. Fifteen years ago, as I was writing a book, I decided to save my hands, and instead of typing it, I dictated it. And it was, to me, remarkable. But as I look back, it was so clunky and so slow, and the need to be precise was so important. And now, on even the cheapest cell phone, I can dictate a message, send it by email, and I no longer marvel at it. I complain when it doesn't keep up. Is that the kind of thing from a nuts and bolts standpoint that you're talking about? That's exactly it. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's the the application of years and years of research at the university level and the application of those technologies in, in business that come out in terms of natural language processing. 
the ability to tell a computer with, with spoken word and have that spoken word get translated into text. And that text actually be really pretty close to what we're actually saying, even with improvements. So it's editing on the fly. It's not misspelling. It's not getting the flubs. It'll take those things out. In advanced applications, you could speak in one language and it'll come out in another language. It's really cool. And imagine what this means for people of different capabilities of all walks of life. I can't speak Japanese. I can't speak French, but I could have a translator that can do that for me. Well, what happens if uh, I'm vision impaired? You know, years ago, the information uh, superhighway came along and the World Wide Web was here. But if you were blind, you wouldn't be able to see the World Wide Web. Now you can hear the World Wide Web because now the translation is so good that it'll, it'll take text as an input, a web page, and it'll output audio. It's phenomenal. And what will actually be the next evolution in that kind of experience is not only will it just do a rote reading of a web page, it'll start highlighting the important parts of a web page and it'll narrate the web page. So if you're vision impaired, you could search for anything by voice on Google and it'll start telling you the highlights of a web page versus literally every word that's on the web page. And that's another layer of artificial intelligence, that extraction of meaning from pure text. So how does that translate to business industry manufacturing? You're speaking at the Advanced Manufacturing Conference in Iowa at the end of the month. At least the event is being sponsored in Iowa. Everything's virtual these days. What are the applications or transitions that industry, particularly manufacturing, will be undertaking to take advantage of what I perceive as efficiencies with AI? Artificial intelligence is really about optimization in many regards. How do you maximize something good and minimize risk or something that's failing? And in manufacturing and in business, what business is starting to do, and it's really crystallized and been very clear because of the COVID-19 challenges in 2020. 2020 has been a heck of a year. But uh, because of COVID-19, the plans for industry in digital transformation. How do you take a company that was working in a people-based business and a paper-based business years ago, that paper-based business has now gone to applications. So people are creating data and they're using data, but now it's digitizing those the operations and an enterprise so that information can be used by multiple parties in that same organization. And not only within the organization, but the connectors to other suppliers in the supply chain and their end consumer. And that digitization is through digital transformation. And what businesses are really looking for is right now, they're most concerned with how do they transition operations to a virtual environment? Because many of their employees are not in the office. How do they provide additional communication channels so that their consumers and the people that they service can interact with their operations, not only for customer service, but for actually service delivery. And so that additional channels of communication are is a very hot topic now in digital transformation. And you can imagine the intelligence, the algorithms that need to be applied to that technology are coming on board. And then a big part of what digital transformation and artificial intelligence is being tasked right now is in reference to supply chain resiliency, visibility of the supply chain and all the components of that. But it's also many people are really looking at taking their supply chain and bringing it much more close to home. I've got a stat here. I've been doing research for the conference. 98% of companies say that supply chain resiliency is critically important or very important to their organization. And 73% of organizations are already thinking about 
or have already acted on moving elements of their supply chain out of China. They're really looking at how do we get tougher and make sure that we future-proof stress test. From the reaction to the stress test of what COVID-19 is, how do we future-proof our supply chain so we can continue operations regardless of the scenario? And that's great for Iowa because what it means is, you know, years ago when you and I grew up, if we were in a country, we were in the middle of nowhere. We were literally cut off from the world and things happened elsewhere and they happened at a faster pace and they would trickle down to where we were. I grew up in the country in Southern Illinois. That's not the world that we live in anymore. Where we live now is no matter where you're at, you're in the middle of everywhere because of the internet, your effective supply chains if you're in a business, the safety and security of being in a very stable community where you can put your plant down, you can distribute your products, you can make your products there, and they can go anywhere in the world. It makes it very advantageous for islands in the business sense. And I analogize when I think of first the world of the internet, but now taking it to an extension with artificial intelligence. It was sort of like, again, for those of us who grew up in a rural area, when radio first became popular in the 1920s, 1930s, you were very isolated. But then the great equalizer was technology, that the radio signals could come in and you could be in southern Illinois or central Iowa and out in the rural areas, but you got the same entertainment as they did in big cities. This is analogous, is it not? It really is. And what the benefit of this technology is its ability to amplify power and reach. And that power and reach means that manufacturers and businesses in Iowa are on a much more level playing field. In some regards, uh, even they have certain advantages that other places don't have because of the ability to, for like a service provider like my company, the Intelligence Factory. We literally have some of our employees are in the St. Louis region, some are out in the East Coast. We've got uh, one data scientist who's in London, one's in uh, India, and we do business. Uh, we've got a partnership with a company in Singapore. And this is little old me from Southern Illinois, right? How did this happen, right? That's the world we live in, right? And so if you have a company and you're in Iowa, you've got a great workforce, you've got a low cost of living, a low cost of operations, you've got a business-friendly governmental environment. Why would you ever put your company in Silicon Valley or in a high-tax state where you have an antagonistic environment? It doesn't make any sense. I think that you look at artificial intelligence and the technologies that can be applied to manufacturing and industry of, of, of different kinds, it really makes it possible to have a first-class run operation no matter where you're at. And so what business leaders decide is, okay, where can I have a great workforce, have them have a great standard of living, safe neighborhoods, good communities, and put out a first-class product that can live in the marketplace and capture its world? What's the reticence or the hesitance by some? For example, let's say people attend this conference. They're forward-thinking people because they've been right in the trenches. But when you start talking about this topic, are there some who sit there potentially with their arms folded across their chest and they just are a little hesitant because of the unknown? What are the drawbacks for them that you have to then overcome? There were two reported primary points of resistance for artificial intelligence prior to COVID-19. About half the respondents talked about ethics and artificial intelligence. What were you going to use this technology for? Because this came out of a study uh, that Boston Consulting Group had done. They analyzed uh, 150 million articles from December of 2019 to May of 2020. That's the power of AI, right? You can actually look at the amount of data that people can't fathom. 
you know, what they found was prior to COVID-19, people were primarily concerned with AI and ethics. And what were you going to take this great tool and apply it to? What were you going to solve it? And what were the privacy concerns, GDPR, the uh, governmental regulations for privacy in the EU? It was a hot topic last year. And the second most worry was data availability and quality of the data. What was the data set you could apply it to? And what would you going to do once you figured it out? What people are really looking at now after COVID-19 is they're looking at things that are in the top five list of things that are on top of mind are now data analytics, 5G, but it's like telemedicine, delivery drones, artificial intelligence, but like robotics and cybersecurity are low. But we see new things that are being really talked about. New things like distance learning, biotech and medtech and personal protective equipment. When you look at people who are, especially in manufacturing, manufacturing an industry where people make real things in the real world for real people, and they're wise to be wary of hype, right? So it's not like the West Coast, East Coast hype of, oh, AI can do everything. Because they realize that this technology has to live within their organization with real people with real amount of data. And what they're telling us and what we see is not every problem needs a AI solution. And our approach is when we go into an enterprise, we actually go in and we do a map of their data systems and their information processing. Where does information come into an organization? Where does it get processed by a person or by an algorithm or by an application? And then what's the optimal learning? What opportunities do we have to take those problems and actually learn enough to get a solution that means something that has a ROI, return on investment, within the amount of time that we have to learn it and the amount of money that would be applied to it? So, you know, this is the real world. We don't have forever and millions and millions of data points to solve any particular problem. We have to solve a problem within a couple of weeks or a couple of months and with the amount of data that an organization really has. And that perspective from enterprise and business is what they bring to the table when they say, well, I don't know if AI would solve this problem because they realize that by the time that they've seen other companies try to solve the problem, the problem's changed. It's morphed. It's moved into something different. And so they said, well, our business is pretty fast. And really, if, if we can have a couple of people and they can do the work, why don't I just have the people do the work? What we say is, yeah, if it's a low frequency activity and the risk of something bad happening, if you make a wrong decision is minor, you know, financial or to health and safety, don't change it because you don't have to over improve an organization. But there are components in an organization that are data driven or information based that have a high risk. They can cost tens of thousands of dollars and millions of dollars when the wrong decision is made, pricing or when to sell based on commodity markets, those kinds of things, even if they're infrequent. But the potential for the amount of information that needs to go into that decision and the problems when something wrong actually does happen says, well, that is a problem that we ought to probably look to apply some smarts to. And then it's always, well, how do we apply a smart system in a world that is already functioning, in an enterprise that is operating now. People aren't going to change their activities to try to work out with a new application. So we have to be in the background as much as possible and help support decisions, not take over a process. What we want is recommendations so that we can have a computer do the heavy lifting of the computation, taking in a lot of data that that person can't really ingest or make sense of, and then summarize that maybe do some what-if scenarios and say, here's what would happen if you made these choices, here what would happen, these make choices, present that to a decision maker in an organization so they can say, oh, this is why I'm doing X, this is why I'm doing Y, and they can make decisions for their, for their organization that way. 
Matthew Lamonds of the Intelligence Factory. He'll be leading off a day of virtual presentations at the annual Advanced Manufacturing Conference sponsored by the Iowa Association of Business and Industry on September 30th. To register or get more information, go to iowaabi.org. The Iowa Association of Business and Industry is a supporter of the Iowa Business Report radio program and podcast. The Iowa Business Report airs weekly on dozens of radio stations across the state of Iowa, with the podcast posted right here every week, along with additional IBR extras and IBR business profiles. I'm Jeff Stein for the Iowa Business Report.